You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. The intros for today's episodes are going to be a little bit longer, but that's just because I have so much stuff going on in the world of Vox and Hops, and I wanted to cover it all. I want to do them all justice, so here we go. Super stoked to announce that the Vox and Hops podcast is now an official sponsor of the Signs of the Swarm Asia Tour 2020, which is starting tomorrow, February 15th, in Bangkok, Thailand. And then it continues all the way to the 23rd of February, where it ends in Tokyo, Japan. If you can get to one of these shows, you absolutely should. They're going to be hitting Bangkok, Seoul, they're hitting Tokyo twice. They're going to be in Miyagi, Japan, Osaka, Japan, and then it wraps up on the 23rd of February, as I mentioned, in Tokyo, Japan. This tour is brought to you by Slam Man Booking Asia and TM Music and the Vox and House podcast. I'm super stoked to be a part of this. Last summer, I went and did my very first Asian tour with Cryptopsy, and Slam Man Booking Asia was the man behind that. Huge shout out to Gino. Thank you so much for including me on one of your tours. I'm super stoked. You guys should absolutely go check out Signs of the Swarm Asia Tour 2020. Devastation on the Nation is less than two months away, and I have so much great stuff going on with this right now. Me and Daniel Defonce, the man behind Metal Festival Tours and Devastation on the Nation Tour, dropped the official Devastation on the Nation Apple Music and Spotify playlists. If you haven't checked them out, you absolutely should. This is your way to get to know all the bands that are playing Devastation on the Nation this year. Those bands are Rotting Christ, Borknagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. If you are not familiar with these bands and you are planning on attending this year's Devastation on the Nation tour, which you should, this is where you should start because uh, this playlist is full of all the songs I am expecting to hear them play live. It's an absolute rager of a playlist and should absolutely check it out. I'm also super stoked about the Vox and Hops craft beer parties, which have been organized for this year's Devastation on the Nation tour by yours truly. All of these came together so organically with the help of many people, and I'm super stoked of all the help that I received and how these ideas were welcomed open-armed. Much love and respect to all of the following people. Ash Pearson of Revocation and the Vox and Hops alumni. We've got Kevin M's, the piece from Jackalobe's Neighborhood Dive, from Vancouver, B.C., Jamie Morris, the Vox and Hops alumni, from Henderson Brewing Company, Vicky Lalonde from Le Saint-Buc Brasserie Artisanale here in Montreal, and Mathieu Tremblay for hooking me up with Bateau de Nuit. So all of these events are coming up. All of the information is available on the Vox and Hops social media, and it's available on metalfestivaltours.com slash D-O-T-N parties. You can get all your information there. I'm super stoked about these. Just to remind you, March 21st, it's a pre-show party at Jackalope's Neighborhood Dive in Vancouver. On March 31st, this is an exclusive after party. You must follow the link in the description of the events to reserve your spot. This is a strict guest list RSVP only event at Henderson Brewing, where I have just seen this morning... The can art, because they are canning the Devastation Black Lager, the very first Vox and Hops collabed canned beer. I am so blown away by it. Can't wait to show you this artwork. It's so brutal, evil, super cool, craft beer metal, molded into one. Henderson Brewing 
hit that sucker right out of the park. Huge shout out to Tony Halmos, the graphic artist at Henderson Brewing, for just nailing this can art. It's absolutely incredible. Cheers, Tony. Then the next day, Montreal, this is an all-day craft beer party at Le Saint-Buc Brasserie Artisanale. We got Devastation, the black IPA that is going to be on tap. You come there before, you have a pint, eat your supper at Le Saint-Buc, they make some sick food. You go watch the show at Fufon Electric, Devastation on the Nation, and then you come back for the after party where we're all going to be hanging out, drinking that black IPA, Devastation. Super stoked about that. And then the last craft beer party in Canada is in Quebec City at Bateau de Nuit. This is another all-day craft beer party. You show up there before the show. You head over to the Devastation on the Nation show, and then you come back and finish your night craft beer style with me and the rest of the Vox and Hops heads. One last thing to add before I get into today's episode, I have just launched the pre-orders for the Vox and Hops Enjoy Life Metal and Craft Beer Zip-Up Hoodie I just launched those last Wednesday. I'm super stoked. Thank you all who have already pre-ordered theirs. I'm simply blown away. I've been wanting to do a hoodie for quite some time now. I love to wear hoodies all the time. I'm in love with this design. I loved it when I was on a shirt. I immediately wanted to put it on a zip-up hoodie. But in life, as with craft beer, timing is everything. Wagwan Chuggers! It's Jason from Ingested, and you're listening to the Box and Hops podcast. Peace. Hey, thank you so, so much. All hail the Slam King. Jason, love you, brother. It was so much fun seeing you the other night. Thank you so much. All of you out there, you should go and check out the Decade of Human Suffering, the Ingested tour that's happening right now across the States. They're out there with my brothers, Visceral Disgorge, The Last 10 Seconds of Life, and Cabal, you should absolutely go check it out. It's a sick slamming tour. I had so much fun when it came through here in Montreal. And that's when I had a chance to hook up with Jason so he could say that. So a huge cheers to the Slam King. Today on Vox and Hops, I have the first true return guest where I have a guest that I've had on before and have them back on the podcast where I can ask them some real fresh questions and dive deeper into them. Today, I am with Kyle Anderson of Brand of Sacrifice and Earth Shatter. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 108. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm back with Kyle Anderson of Brand of Sacrifice and Earth Shatter. How are you doing? It's so good to be back with you. Uh, doing really well. Thanks for having me again on the on the show, on the podcast. I had to. I had to. Uh, there have not been very many return guests in over 100 episodes, but I had to have yeah. you back because... Uh, there's something interesting about you. I love all the projects you're in. Thanks. And uh, last time we spoke was at Heavy Montreal, and we only right. really had a short 12-minute interview. I think we actually only spoke for 10 minutes of it. That's so right. So I really wanted to get deeper into Kyle Anderson. Sounds good. What has changed since last August? Since last August, we... Um, well, our album had just come out around that point. It had only been out about a month for a brand of sacrifice. Um, or, which was called God Hand and uh, we found out around that time that we charted on the billboards uh, the Heat Seekers chart so that was pretty awesome for a debut record I think it's uh, off the bucket list a little bit and, and uh, then we did a couple of tours uh, we completed the Summer Slaughter tour which we were on at the time and then we went out with Rings of Saturn uh, Enterprise Earth 
and uh, Angel Maker, fellow Canadian boys. Uh, that was an excellent tour. And uh, also, uh, we put out uh, an EP with my side project called Earth Chatter, which you mentioned previously. So It took me out of from like left field. I, I knew that you, could, <laughs> you had mentioned in the previous interview that you could do some clean vocals. I knew because I read up about it. I'm friends with uh, Brad from Banger TV. The man. He's been pushing it a lot. Pushing you guys a lot, yeah. to be honest, actually. He was in your music video, actually. That's right, yeah. And he had sent out a like a blast on his Facebook saying, looking for media peeps to review this. I'm assuming it was your project. Yes, it was uh, for our uh, EP called 1135 for Earth Shatter. How did this project come together? How did it all work out? Let's talk about that. Sure. Um, so I had... Much like Brand of Sacrifice, I kind of have had just ideas that lay dormant. Um, I listened to lots of different types of extreme music and even like pop music and R&B and stuff like that. Uh, but I've been kind of on like a like a modern hardcore metalcore type uh, kick lately. Listen to like Knock Loose and Varials and stuff like that. Kind of the more popular like new age, I guess you could say. Uh, Hardcore with you know metal metalcore stuff, but still with a kind of hardcore edge. Uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to um, have a project like that, which was a little more kind of raw and nasty bass tone and kind of more simplistic drums, but groovy at the same time. Uh, but then with my own kind of spin on it, um, kind of taking some influence from my old band, The Afterimage, and uh, just my approach and and my friend uh, Michael Leo Valeri who's also in Brand of Sacrifice and composes that, kind of the way we would approach that type of uh, style. And uh, so that's just kind of an idea I had for probably over a year and a half, almost two years now. And, as as uh, long as Brandon Sacrifice <laughs> has been in, ex- in existence. We just didn't have time to, to get it done. <laughs> so uh, we, fe- we got some downtime um, after Summer Slaughter and after uh, the Rings of Saturn tour to get the, the record done. Uh, we ran into some hiccups and we had to push it back a, about a month, but we eventually got it uh, done. Um, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. Did everything ourselves on that record. Really? And it sounds, it sounds fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate and you guys self-released it. Self-released released it, yes. Let's talk about that. Why go through down that route? Did you try to get a record label involved, or did you just choose to go that way? To be honest, we pretty much finished the record right before the time it was going to be released, like a couple, like a week or two before that. There wouldn't have been a, a ton of time to uh, get that released. So, um, And I think we just kind of wanted to keep that one DIY as well anyway. Um and, uh, you know, we'll keep Brand of Sacrifice maybe on the kind of more standard path with, with labels and things like that. But wanted to give it a shot, uh, taking a DIY route. So it's a combination of timing and we, we kind of had that in the back of our minds anyway. So We were just delivered a beautiful beer. It is probably the beer that I've had on the podcast the most because right. it is available in all kinds of different establishments. You are playing at the Fairmount Theater in Montreal, Zier de around the corner, but at this time of night, it is absolutely slammed, and we wouldn't hear anything we say. So we are at Fritalog across the street, and we are drinking the Boreal du Nord-Est, 
This is one of the beers that changed the Quebec beer scene. Cheers. Cheers. It's a New England IPA. It is uh, super opaque on the nose. Tropical, juicy. Oh, very tropical. Still smooth, a little bit creamy. Slightly dank, but still very drinkable. It's a beer that I buy frequently and enjoy it's very pleasant. In, the, in the comfort of my own home. I love craft beer. You know that. <laughs> All of you know that. That's right. Take me back to your youth. It's a question I didn't ask you last time. It's something that I like okay. to ask a lot now. The soundtrack to your youth, you're growing up in your house, what music was playing, when you did not have control over the music. When I did not have control over the music. Okay. Um, a lot of Elvis Costello. Um, see, my, my mom and dad were slightly apart in age, maybe about eight, eight to ten years in that, in that realm. Um, so my dad was, he was a punk, kind of a punk growing up, but he listened to New Age and he, okay. he sang in a New Age band. Really? Played keyboards as awesome. well. Um, my mom came from kind of more of like a, a gospel Motown, uh, more pop realm type background. She used to sing like backing in uh, like church choir and things like that. Um, so uh, when when I was a kid, though, there was a lot of uh, like I said, Elvis Costello. There's also a lot of '90s pop music. Uh, no doubt uh, was was played a lot. Um, There's a lot of Blur. I guess kind of like alt rock stuff as well. U um, two was played a lot. Um, and then even some of the pop stuff like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And my mom listened to a lot of that kind of stuff. So I know a lot of those songs off by heart. Being, being a, a person that graduated in the year 2000, speaking for myself, I dated a bunch of girls who loved them. So I know okay. those songs as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Growing up in a family of musicians. Yeah. So singing was always something for you, something you always did. Well, at what point did you start imitating them, start following them to the New Age gigs? So my dad kind of put that aside. He put the keyboard down and stopped making music when he had kids. Um, and then my mom always sang around the house, but she didn't really pursue music much as, anymore. And maybe that's something that I didn't want to happen to me. But growing up, I didn't actually have an interest in singing. Uh, I actually wanted to play guitar. So um, I never really... I had like a ukulele as a little kid, and I think I broke it. Uh, as as <laughs> most kids do with their ukuleles. And uh, and then I was kind of like rough on my toys and things like that. I eventually got a guitar, in, I believe, in ninth grade. And so basically I tried to join some bands. I wasn't great at guitar, though. I, was, I could maybe play some power chords and things like that. So I was trying to... Do uh, rhythm guitar in bands, and um, and then I wasn't good enough to play rhythm guitar, so they put me on bass. <laughs> so and then it was that like, is a fallacy, everyone out there. <laughs> it is. It don't, definitely don't, is. Don't believe what Kyle is saying. <laughs> uh, no offense to bass players out there, but that's that's what the high schoolers thought was the the way to go at the time. That's correct. Oh yeah. Um, and then I ended up doing backing vocals in, in the bands. We were doing Alexis on Fire covers, um, and um, other stuff like that. Haste the Day covers and As were, were you the covers. clean guy? Is I was. I was actually screaming. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was doing like really bad fry screams. You, you had spoke about this last time. You, you said it was almost like a like a hoarse whisper. Yeah, and I did like inhaling and stuff like that. Not not good stuff. 
uh, uh, for my voice at the time. I was, I was not doing things properly, I think. Um, anyway, um, so I kind of did that, and then the guys that were singing in the band, they they weren't that great. So then I ended up just kind of putting the instrument down and picking the mic up, and then because there's no standing singer. It was it was like a bunch of guitarists that sang. Well, there was a singer, but he he left the he, band. He left the band. He was <laughs> he, he couldn't really hit any notes. There was, there's that problem. He was trying to he was trying to do the singing stuff, and then they just and he couldn't really scream either. So then I just I, there was not I mean anybody else to do it. So I started doing it, and then eventually I transitioned into trying to actually learn proper screaming techniques and, and things like that. So growing up in Toronto. Toronto is such a hotbed tour destination for bands. So let's talk about that. Your early concert experiences. What would have been like the first live show that you went to? The first live show that I went to was Air Canada Center, uh, System of a Down. Hmm. That was my first. Uh, and I think they had just put out the record Hypnotize I think at the time no or was it Mesmerize which one they was first they were released so shortly They're, yeah I whichever that was the first one Mesmerize that sounds right they just me. released that record and they, they the band that I remember the band that opened up that tour was called Bad Acid Trip uh, and that, I remember that being so crazy I never heard anything like that at the time um I had crazy stage presence, but that was my my first like real concert experience. I think it was in like tenth grade or something like that. So it took a while for me to actually go to like a a heavier show uh, or any concert for that matter that wasn't like involved with like church or something like that. So because of your mom's gospel side, yeah. yeah. Did you sing in church? No, I actually didn't. Uh, I I think I did like just guitar stuff in church just they, they rhythm guitar permissive <laughs> with your abilities that was uh yeah i think it was maybe three or four chords for the entire set so i, I could do that but, but that was about it i didn't really get into any vocal stuff at church <laughs> so. how about that first time on stage are you someone that gets nervous is that something that happens oh yeah i still even get nervous now um, the first time I ever played a show um, was at this place called the El Macombo. I know Toronto. the name, yeah. Um, it was a Battle of the Bands show where you had to sell a bunch of tickets. So, you know, those old standard, you know, first band type Let's thing. just take a break for everyone at home. If you are in a young band, do not play in Battle of the Bands. <laughs> yeah. It is a bad idea. You are the person doing all of the work. That's trying true. to get some people into the seats and that is not your job your job Definitely is to not. stay in the jam room and to get better <laughs> exactly and it's kind of discouraging to to young artists and it's so kids, especially you're in high school you don't really know what's going on you're just yeah. excited to play on a big exactly. stage yeah. you think that's a crazy opportunity but you don't realize that you're taking advantage of totally so yeah back yeah. to your story I apologize <laughs> no worries so that uh, we played our our first show, and it was I think it was maybe five ten kids at the, at that little showcase, and then the next day I believe it was either the next day or a few days later we played our high school battle of the bands, and that w had a ton of people there because it was for the whole school. Yes, and uh, we ended up winning that battle of the bands playing metalcore music with pig squeals and things like that at the time. So I, that was pretty awesome. That was a good feeling. We won like 
um, Long and McQuaid gift cards, which is so a good, which awesome. is a very perfect thing that a a young up and coming musician needs. Everyone at home, Long and McQuaid is a music store across Canada. Talk to me about you in high school. Were you the metal kid? I feel like you're very eclectic with your 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 tastes in yeah. music. So I don't know if that applied in in high school as well. That you fit into many groups. I did. I, I fit into many groups. I see. What I, I remember when I first got into metal core specifically. I had a friend named Brad who showed me all the metalcore bands like Azalea Dying and Haste Today and all, mostly a lot of the Christian kind of sided metalcore bands. I think he showed me Bleeding Through too and stuff like that. But uh, and maybe a tray. <laughs> But uh, is it because he came from a Christian background, or is it? I don't think you he knew? did. I think he just—it just so happened that all those bands were in that kind of realm at the time. Um, it's That's not something that happens anymore. No, I don't feel like not. there's any Christian deathcore bands. Or not particularly. To I my don't. I, I don't feel that's something that happens anymore. That was just a, a completely different time. I guess it was. Uh, it was almost like its own subgenre. Hmm. I, I don't care. I, whatever yeah. floats anyone's boat, I don't care about at all. Just a, so, it's a yeah. weird phenomenon. To yeah, think. I was just, you know, like a Christian death metal band. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it exists that I can think of off the top of my head, at least. Um, so you yeah, had that friend, but I, I, I remember I started that school year off like listening only to hip hop. I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna listen to to rap and hip-hop. I was listening to underground hip-hop like Jedi Mind Tricks and like Immortal Technique at the time and things like that and old Eminem and kind of like early 2000s hip-hop to like Ludacris and um, Busta Rhymes and I really like that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was listening to a lot of that and then I met my friend Brad and then all of a sudden I started dressing differently and liking metal and uh, so it was kind of a so I was kind of transitional at that point. So. Did it affect the dynamic with your previous friends? Did you? No, I mean, I mean, I always had this one buddy uh, named Chris, and we were kind of like, we kind of were, were homies for since like elementary school, and we kind of both did that together, and then we all had the same friends, so it just worked out. Having you back on the podcast, I have to come up with new questions to see if things have changed. Okay. You mentioned that you enjoyed craft beer. I do. Has your experience of being a Vox and Hops alumni changed your appreciation for craft beer? Do you find yourself so seeking it out more? I do than actually. Yes. Uh, all Let's out. talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've actually been noticing that a lot of music venues have been starting to adopt craft beer. Now that we've been traveling more of the states, um, you know, occasionally get your small dive bar that still only has Budweiser and Coors Light and things like that. But I'm noticing that there's always uh, some craft beers, some IPAs showing up uh, here and there. So I'll, I'll usually go for that uh, at least one. Try and try something new and try to try and try to enjoy something from that area at least of so. course yes some local brews or i'll go to like um i think we went to fatheads um where was that was that in denver last time yeah denver is such a mecca for craft beer there's so yes. many to go to so shout out to my homie i need to start writing these down yes. like all these beers i've, I've tried there is an app that can help you do that. I don't use it myself, but this app called Untapped. I might have to do that. I drink at a frequency where I don't want to be reminded of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. True Brewing, though, in Denver, Colorado. Next time you go through there. True Brewing? Yeah, they're the most metal. Maybe that's most- where we went. I'm not 100% sure. It was, it was really nice. 
but you guys always like to keep stuff very close in-house yes is there ever going to be a point that you guys go record at a studio did you guys mix your previous record as well yeah we mixed uh both of the uh, brand sacrifice releases that were mixed ourselves and and mastered, and same with Earth Shatter as well. I and our next record also will be all in house. All, all in house. Uh, engineer the vocals myself. How how easy is that? Um, it's been a lot of years of uh, Leo grinding and and really honing in on that skill. I think you can hear a pretty big improvement from our EP to our. Album and then, like, in-house, how easy, easy is that? Like, when you discuss something to make changes... Oh, like the process? Yeah, okay. versus, oh, versus like, it, in a normal standard situation, it would be the producer versus you guys. Right. Now the producer's in-house. How, how does that affect the dynamic? Uh, I think it actually makes it more kind of laid back. Um, Leo and I are constantly talking all day, every day anyway. Um, so mix revisions and things like that, it's it's instantaneous. Even if we're just... We are re- slightly away from each other. He's in uh, New York and I'm, I'm in Toronto. So um, it's generally over Messenger that we deal, deal with this type of stuff. I don't really uh, sit in on the mixing or anything like that. Pure trust. It's pure trust, yeah. And then he'll he'll shoot me an MP3 or a wave version, and I'll review it. And it's that's been the way we've done things. It's worked out well so far. And you track all your own vocals yourself. Yeah, I track in all the comfort my of your home. Exactly. Yeah. That's sweet. You stand up to track. You sit down to track. Uh, actually, been sitting down to track. Really? Uh, it's a little weird. I might actually change that up this time and maybe get some type of standing setup. Let, let's talk about the, your setup. I'm sure people at home will be curious. <laughs> it's pretty minimal. I, I, uh, I'm curious, so I want to know. Yeah. It's um, I've got an SM7B uh, and into a Cloud Lifter CL1. Uh, it's like a gives you a little bit of extra clean gain and just a Scarlet. 2i2 really and that's it super easy and everything else is in the box like wow. in terms of compression limiting gating all that kind that's of stuff a, that all goes on in leo on that leo's goes, side yeah exactly amazing so it's uh it's very very minimal it's uh it's not ideal actually some would say but i think we got a we got that to sound pretty good i know that um some of the other guys on this tour use a very similar setup too uh, for things that they've done. I think Ben from Shadow of Intent has used that setup as well for different things that he's done. So it's uh, seems to be a popular uh, go-to these days. I, I'm writing notes right now. So. <laughs> Shout out to Ben, Letter Vox and Ops alumni. The man. You've been doing some guest vocals. Yes. Let's talk about that. Your guest spots. How is that something that you, you've gotten embarked in? Is this something that you've turned into a business, or is it because you just want to keep busy? Yeah, I've, it's a combination of the two, I guess. Um, I've done you know, s- certain things that I've worked on uh, or for Unique Leader as well. A couple things. I'm not sure I could say them yet. A um, couple bands on that label. There's going to be stuff that I've worked on for that. Uh, I'm happy and stoked on those ones because uh, I was really, uh, really pumped on the songs. And then I also, you know, will work with smaller bands as well. Um, and uh, so I've done entire songs. And I've done uh, even just like small feature parts as well. So it's a combination of like business and, and also pleasure in the sense that I get to be a part of something that I, I enjoy as well uh, and have an investment into. I think is awesome. So 
from like getting a track either the band sends you lyrics and like a pattern to you having to write your own complete everything what is the time frame like for your receiving to delivery how long do you usually take um how much work goes into being okay a feature performer yeah it depends on really what is required so um if it's straight up screams uh i've churned out entire songs in a day like fully tracked doubles edited and everything in, in a day before um, I just the creative juices must have been flowing that day. I've had I've done that a couple times, but there's also times where songs, even this happened on Earth Chatter, where I had to come back to it after a month and I couldn't get anything going. So is that something frustrating to you? Yeah, it can be pretty frustrating. Uh, but I think uh, the one song I can think of on uh, the Earth Chatter EP 11:35 that that happened with, it ended up being a way cooler song because I came back to it. I love so. digesting and coming back. It's something yeah. I rarely have the time to do with Cryptopsy. We're always it's, on a deadline. That's and right. Sadly, vocals are normally always last. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so we don't have time to digest as much as everyone else. Sometimes it's sometimes a really good thing, but sometimes it can also be a bad thing because you might overanalyze things and it maybe it wasn't broken in the first place. You didn't, yeah, you didn't need exactly. to fix it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very, very well. <laughs> but back to what we were saying. Um, yeah, if it's if it's straight up screams, that's usually very quick. Um, I'm pretty pretty quick with my screams because screams are more percussive and they don't require you know different pitches and things like that. Um, but with singing, that takes a little longer because there's. Uh, a lot more that goes into it because I've got to come up with melodies or maybe I don't like the melody I got to redo the whole thing then I have to do the sing the main vocal three times and then do the harmonies and there's all kinds of stuff that goes into it so that can take a few few days at least just for singing parts wow. so it's like a chorus or two and um, you have no producer or it's you produce yourself yeah I produce myself I will consult with Leo uh, on uh, melody choice uh, he actually wrote a lot of the melodies for uh, the Earth Shatter EP. Um, I have it in my head right now. I'm, I'm, I'm coming in, in my head him. right now. <laughs> I have it in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, he, he absolutely nailed it with those. Uh, I find it, I get my a little too noodly sometimes with my melodies. I, and he he's very focused in on what like the the brain's going to be receptive to, and and he 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 actually. Funny enough, generally thinks of these in the shower. Really? Okay. So the shower tunes. The, the shower tunes. Shower melodies. Yeah. And usually he can't write a song unless he's had a shower. He doesn't so. like touring. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> he's not creative on tour. That's for sure. He's gonna he's gonna come with us on the the European tour, so that'll be great. Sweet. Europe is a little bit more generous on the showers. Yes. So <laughs> Leo will be happy. Shout out to Leo. <laughs> Do you do artwork as well? Yes, I do. Let's, um, let's talk about that. Uh, you were always an artist. Are you someone that used to doodle? I was never really great at kind of traditional art or drawing or painting or anything like that. When but did you get the bug? Yeah. I remember when I was in, in high school. I feel like high school, a lot of things happened. And I figured. I feel like you're not that old. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to go on website forums before there was Reddit and all these things, and you know, I would discuss various games I was playing. I was playing a lot of Counter-Strike at the time, Counter-Strike 1.6, for the, all those who remember that game. 
I d- I'm sorry, it's not for me. I, I don't know. It was <laughs> a first-person shooter, and uh, people used to, I guess, make uh, little form signatures of uh, kind of designs they liked. And I would, if you take anime characters or video game characters or whatever, and kind of make designs. And so I was got into like making those for people and reading tutorials on them, and then it kind of evolved into making other types of graphics. Then I started making website designs and. And then eventually I started working with bands and making CD covers and kind of dabbling with t-shirts and and stuff like that. And that's kind of where I've kind of left off and what I do now here and there. Do you design most of the Brand of Sacrifice merch? Uh, I do some of it. Uh, Leo also does some of it as well. And then we also like outsource to different artists for the kind of more traditional stuff and kind of the line art and things like that. But I, I'm usually good at kind of creating layouts and putting things together. That's generally what I what I what I do. Sweet. So you guys have amazing merch. I, I told you last time when I bumped into you at the Rings of Saturator yes. in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. And just bold color choices. Try to change it up a little bit. I, I like it because death metal is just very cookie cutter almost. Black and white shirts. <laughs> exactly. And you guys got that bright orange up there shining, looking good. <laughs> Talk me through the Earth Shatter cover art. Did you set that up? Yeah. So that one, I wanted to have something very simple to the point. And I don't know where we got the idea of we, we, we wanted to incorporate like eight balls. And that's kind of been like our thing is the eight balls, like our symbol. So, uh, 1135 is actually the the address of the apartment that Leo and I lived together back seven years ago now, about seven years ago. Um, so all the songs are kind of related to that time when we lived together. It's amazing. And that's when we first started writing music together. So kind of the joke is we were babies musically. Hence, so hence the, the baby. baby. Got and it. Then, Got it. So yeah. it's a combination of like the symbolism and then the baby holding the eight ball. So um kind of all ties in together and then we kind of made it look like it was a little more vintage uh you know in terms of the color palette and things like that because we're trying to go for that i guess 90s vibe and you know being a baby in the 90s that's when i grew up so yeah kind of all ties in together but i wanted to be very simple because a lot of times you get like super complex things going on these days and um, I just want something very simple and and kind of bold also memorable and memorable yeah yeah Kyle, thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. Sitting down with me, Vox and Hops, having you back. I'm super stoked. Cheers. I can't wait to watch you tonight. Just slay this place. Sold out show in Montreal. Hell yeah. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. A massive cheers to Kyle for coming back onto the podcast. I'm super excited to see what this creative Canadian artist comes up with next. He has so many projects. He seems to have such a clear vision of what he wants to do. I'm super proud of that, in awe of that, and uh, I can't wait to see what comes up next for you, Kyle. With such a long, information-packed intro that I made you guys suffer through. I will make this an easy outro. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I hope that you remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Hopsets. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? 
That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh revisiting classic material talking about the new classics um all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speaker's Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs> 